Welcome to the Burandon Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussions that you can turn around and implement into your business to make you a more effective insurance professional. And this morning, Chris and I are joined by Michael Strakov from Live Oak Bank. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Paul. Great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Would you tell everybody a little bit about Live Oak Bank? It's kind of a unique, unique business in our industry. Sure. Um, so first off, Mike Strakoff, I'm head of insurance lending at Live Oak Bank. If you haven't heard of Live Oak Bank, you might not be alone. Uh, you know, we're a, um, a nationally um, FDIC insured uh, bank located in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we lend in all 50 states. So we attend a lot of trade shows. We speak at a lot of different events. And not only do we focus insurance in insurance lending, primarily in distribution, uh, we also focus in about 31 other industry segments with a pretty similar approach to each of them. And part of that approach is bringing somebody from the industries in which we serve uh, to be part of the lending team. Uh, so me as an example, I was not a banker when I joined the bank in 2015. Um, I come from the insurance industry. So insurance professional for about 27 years, started in claims, was a commercial producer. Uh, from there, uh, switched to the uh, back to the carrier side. I've been a branch manager with both Chubb and CNA in different parts of the country. Uh, and at one point, uh, was the, uh, ran a bank-owned agency in uh, upstate New York, uh, which was about uh, close to 70 million in revenue, about 90 producers, and we were in a, uh, acquisition mode at that time. So had the opportunity to get a flavor for uh, M&A at that point and uh, really enjoyed that aspect of the business. And my job prior to here, minded my own business in Columbus, Ohio. I got a call from Live Oak Bank saying, hey, we're interested in starting a lending vertical. Would you be interested in talking to us? So uh, great opportunity at a great time, and uh, we've been doing uh, lending to insurance agencies for about eight years now. Fantastic. Well, and as part of that lending, it sounds like what little I know about Live Oak Bank is is you do a you're not just bringing the the capital to the table. There's a lot more to to that financing piece. There's a lot more consultation, especially given the history there. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, if you look at what's happening in the M&A world, and there's a lot of activity, um, you know, catch the headlines, and it's been, you know, a headline item for a number of years. Um, where Live Oak Bank has chosen to play is in that non-private equity space. Um, so really, private uh, private buyer, you know, potentially buying another private privately owned uh, agency. Uh, typically, revenues are you know under two and a half million dollars or so. Uh, and under. So we do, you know, deals certainly larger and work with agents larger than that. But the typical one is not necessarily on the radar screen for um, private equity. And with that said, uh, those buyers might be those that uh, have done deals in the past, and that's great. And they have the experience. And we certainly think we can bring value to them as well. But many are first-time um, borrowers, first-time they're buying an agency, first-time taking a loan of this size. Uh, there's a lot of things that would be potentially new to them. Um, and in many ways, it sounds like a cliche or maybe even a little uh, salesy, but there's a lot of reasons why we're sitting on the same side of the table on that transaction. They win, we win. So we want them to be as educated as possible on the deal. So we're both looking at it through the same lens at the closing table. So all of our analysis that we do, uh, and we do quite a bit, 
um, we'll share with the borrower and just say, hey, this is what we're seeing. Do you agree? Disagree? Is there things that we want, might want to think about differently from a structure perspective? You know, are there some addbacks that might seem a little aggressive? Um, you know, can you really run an agency with, you know, two employees uh, where the agency has historically run it, you know, you know, five employees as an example. There's a lot of things that we walk through with our borrowers just to make sure, are you thinking of this? Are you thinking of that? Does it make sense to you? Here are the points that we're concerned about. And a lot of times it's not a no, it's just we need to know more. And how do we peel back that onion uh, to get a better understanding of the deal for both of us? And, and Chris, have you seen, where do you see that uh, going wrong a lot of the time for for clients? I know you consult with a lot of folks as they work to get their agency ready to sell and and even go to acquire somebody working with different finance financing options. Yeah, there's two places that are are really common. One is, is that everybody says the same thing. Our financials and our data are in good order and it's all there and it never is. So if you're gonna go borrow money from anybody, um, uh, uh, which is a segue into borrowing money from non-specialty lenders, make take the time, work with somebody, get your data in order, get everything set up, think it through. You, The deal will go easier. The lender will think more of you if you come prepared and show some experience. It's just easier to get everything done. But the real risk of for things I've seen go wrong is when you go to a non-specialty lender who doesn't really understand insurance, they don't know what to ask for. And they make lending decisions that are wrong. And sometimes those lending decisions can work in your favor because they don't have any idea what they're lending against. Um, that can come back to bite you later. Other times they turn you down when they should accept you because they don't know what they're doing. And um, the worst story I can tell the audience is from a non-specialty lender that didn't have any idea what they're doing. And I could, uh, you know, I have a bunch of these stories. They're all kind of the same. The, um, one of the parties ended, they didn't understand trust monies. The lender didn't. So they thought all the monies in the trust account were collateral. It, obviously, those monies aren't collateral. And if an agency isn't doing their balance sheet right, maybe it's hard to figure out what is and isn't trust monies. And so they went ahead and they said, well, we can lend against that. And then the borrower went and spent all the trust monies. And so then they turned around and sued the agency to, that sold not the borrower, but the seller of the agency for faking the financial data. When it, the reality was they just didn't know how to read the financials for an insurance agency. So I've told my clients ever since and always borrow money from people that know what they're doing. It's a lot safer. You'll probably get a better deal. And when they're doing consultative financing like uh, Live Oak does, you're probably going to get some pretty good advice on how to run your agency better, too. Yeah, no, Michael, when you were, thanks, Chris, for that. That's uh, very insightful on picking the right partners. And in the um, introduction, Michael, you were talking about your expertise and the expertise of Live Oak Bank. Um, 
is that applicable all over the country? Kind of what else in there would people find pretty interesting? Yeah, so they, you know, to to build off Chris's comments there, you know, it is important, um, you know, for if you're in any industry to work with a banker that understands that industry for a lot of reasons. And when things go wrong, they're typically, you know, there's no such thing typically as a as a good um, insurance surprise, and there's really a good thing that's known as you know a bank financing surprise. Uh, and a lot of these things, once it's done, you know, very difficult to unwind. Uh, and get back to you know some level of um, you know feasibility on the whole deal uh, if you make a really really bad error. So uh, industry expertise and and you know kind of going back to my earlier comments about the dynamics of the M and A um, marketplace, things happen pretty quickly. You know, there's likely if you're looking at a deal, there's probably more than one agent looking at it, and speed can be your weapon or it could be your you know the biggest detriment to you being able to get the deal done. We, you know, as examples, we have agents calling us and saying, hey, I've done a dance with my local, my local bank for two and a half months now. You know, I've given them all this information. They've gotten to the point where, you know, yeah, it looks great. Um, they might have the operating account. They're well-intended people. Uh, but the problem is they just don't understand the business. And while the lender that they're talking to wants to do the deal, they got to get the sign on from a lot of different people at the bank. And the challenge with insurance agencies, it's an intangible asset. And most lenders are looking for buildings, equipment, inventory, you know, things that they can touch in the event that this goes sideways. Um, so you, you, it's a goodwill transaction. It's a cash flow transaction. You know, the banker that picks up the call and, and is, understands insurance agencies and how this works and the dynamics of the uh, not only the M&A marketplace, but, you know, the business model of an insurance agency is going to be the one that can get through that deal quickly with a yay or an a you know they can move on or, or double down with that particular lender and have a greater likelihood of success so even from a just bad mistakes bad situations the timing can be just a killer on deals you could waste a lot of time you could you know a specialty lender you call them up it's less about tell me about the insurance company and how contingent commissions work it's tell me about your deal how do we make the numbers work do they work and then from there, you know, you kind of kick, you know, we kick into that consultative mode, you know, great deal. Let's move forward. Everything makes sense. But a lot of times those deals are negotiated by the time we pick up the phone call. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how do you work, uh, you know, a good deal um, that's just st structured in a way that makes it difficult from a cash flow standpoint to be a better deal and make sense for the, for the clientele. So um, our team, um, you know, I talked about my experience in the industry and, and understanding I kind of work a bit like a consultant over the lending team to give them insights if they have questions. Uh, but the lending team has all been lending to insurance agencies for over five years. Uh, so while they're not born and bred in the, in the insurance system, uh, they've handled enough deals. We've probably done, you know, 400 to 500 uh, financing deals across the country. So they're pretty, pretty, uh, you know, they're grizzled veterans at this point, we'll call them. Very nice. And, and with these, uh, the deals that you're doing, right. And, and for the most part, if I'm understanding our discussion here, this is for those, those, um, business to business, private sales red and, and so you could be competing maybe with some of these venture capital firms on occasion and mm -hmm. trying to make an offer for why uh, you should be the buyer or, or you're working with somebody that's trying to, to buy you. Mm -hmm. If the reverse is true, what kind of products are out there in structure and, and how are these deals actually done when you're competing against these serial acquirers? 
Yeah, that's a it's a great question. The um, you know the private buyer going up against PE. It's the David and Goliath story to some degree. Um, you know, PE does have um, some greater tools and and maybe we'll call them, you know financial wherewithal uh, that drives up you know some of the multiples and what we're seeing in the headlines. Um, you know, from that perspective, so that's a reality. It's not you know good nor bad. It's just out there. Uh, and we do bump into situations, you know, even perpetuation scenarios where, you know, mom and dad want to sell to, you know, junior, and they're also considering a private equity offer, uh, while the intention would be to sell, you know, internally, you know, there's a lot of external distra- uh, distractions with offers and, and, and things of that nature. So structure can be a big part of, you know, how you can make a deal work, you know, seller notes with longer amortizations, you know, potentially a balloon. Uh, working through a way to say, hey, if this is the negotiated purchase price, how do we make that affordable uh, from maybe live oak um, bank debt with a seller note, with a down payment? You know, what are the levers that we can pull in order to make that happen? So uh, most of what we do is in the M&A space. So you are uh, accurate. About 80% of what we do is, you know, some type of ownership transition. And that could be in the form of, you know, an agent buying an unrelated agency, uh, partner buyouts, buy-ins. So we have younger people buying into the agency. We can finance those as well. Um, and then, you know, obviously like internal perpetuation, a management team or family member trying to get that done. But we'll also do, you know, uh, commercial real estate, uh, refinance loans uh, of existing debt and, um, you know, working capital. Um, and when Live Oak Bank started, we were strictly a lender. So all we did was provide loans. We're building out our portfolio to offer different products for agents. Um, one of the w- ones that's currently available, like a high interest rate uh, savings account at 4%. Um, at 4% on a savings account kind of sells itself. Uh, so that's helpful. And we could say to current customers and non-customers, if you have an interest in putting your money to work, um, you can take it out when you want. No fees, no minimums. Uh, so it's a really good interest rate. So what we're trying to do, the motto of the bank is to be America's small business bank and try and just give small businesses across America, you know, the tools that they need to be successful. And we're just going to build on that product uh, base moving forward. What I would see in the future, uh, a full checking account that can work as an operating account, which would have all the forms and features that, you know, most agents uh, enjoy uh, currently. Uh, so we're looking, uh, certainly looking forward to uh, having that. And then kind of like small business loan, you have a quick acquisition, uncollateralized, you know, 150,000 decision in a day and get some uh, working capital and you could use it for what you feel is necessary. So quick cash, uh, fixed rate, five-year loan, it's just meant to be, you know, if you need something on a project quickly, don't have, you know, six weeks to give to a loan process, we can we can approve you in like two days. So uh, that's what I see on the horizon um, for us in 2023. Those are all hugely important tools to be able to to move quickly. And Chris, on some of these uh, these deals where you've seen um, the private deals that you've had your clients work with, some of the the structuring, how does that uh, those products sound that Michael talked about? It definitely gives the the regular Joe some uh, tools they don't that they don't easily come by to maybe more easily compete. I don't know that regular Joe's can ever get to the multiples that some of the PE players are offering, but sometimes it's not the, the multiple that matters. It's the structure and having flexibility in the structure can make all the difference in the world. And I see that a lot. I see people all the time 
um, I probably had four conversations this week with people. I'm looking over at my calendar um, for people this week's like, here's the deal. It's not so we've got to figure out the structure. We got to figure out the structure. We got to do it this way. This is really super important to me. Um, I only want to do the deal. If these 10 people can continue to be employed, money's not as important to me as taking care of my employees. And so in those for people that have that mindset, the more flexibility you can get in the structure of the deal from your banker, the more likely are you are going to be able to do the deal. And um, if you can't do the structure, then you're you're pretty much out of it because you're not going to compete with the PE multiples. Yeah. Pretty good, Joe. Yeah, great, great points, Chris. And it, it is interesting that, you know, when you think about that in the process, what I would advocate for everyone on the call and your audience is talk to your banker sooner. You know, it's a lot of times they're, you know, the, the gloves come off, you go through the negotiations, you do what you need to do, everyone's all bloodied and you come up with a structure. And then you get the, you know, the banker involved or, you know, and then you're the banker now has to try and work with that structure to get there. Why not start there and try and work that into your conversations as you develop the structure to really enhance the ability to get the deal done? If you think you're going to need financing in order to get it done, you're probably better off. And, you know, the banker doesn't have to be part of the negotiations. But, you know, what's this look like? What should I be considering? How should I structure? What's the end goal? You know, what's cash flow? How do we make that work? Um, What are the tools that they can employ in order to make that happen? I think would be really productive conversations to have much earlier than what we're typically brought in on, which is, you know, kind of the tail end, which kind of at times shackles our our hands on only being able to do so much. Now, let me reemphasize something there real quick, Paul. A lot of deals that I see, not a lot of them, but a number of them I see, somebody has been talking to, um, some kind of an attorney, a CPA, someone out there who's come up with some fancy way of doing a deal. And that person may be very bright, have very good intentions, but they don't understand the intricacies of insurance and or they only understand one part of of the deal. They don't see the implications of the other side. And so everybody gets everything structured and then they go to the other advisors. And I remember one I worked on um, with Live Oak last year where that happened and the, the structure that they had all decided to do um, wasn't compatible with going and getting a loan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a loan was not going to happen uh, from anybody. So and then the, the, another CPA got involved and they're like, no, 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 this, this doesn't actually comply. Yeah, it complies with the tax regulations of which you're aware, but it doesn't actually comply with the tax regulations over here. So um, it's really important to get the key people involved. And if there's a loan involved, get the banker involved early, find out if the proposed structure is, com- is acceptable to the bank. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it isn't. And um, I saw another one earlier this week where they're like, well, we're just going to do a trust. And it's like, well, have you talked to everybody about whether trust is acceptable? And they're like, well, why wouldn't it be? Well, you know, there's a lot of trust that kill the deal. Mm-hmm. So have those conversations early. Like Mike said, it's, it's really valuable. It'll save you a lot of pain. 
Yeah, a lot of pain and effort and, you know, be an educated consumer, you know, that you're going to make the best decision. Uh, and that's, you know, advocating whether you use Live Oak Bank or not. And we talk to a lot of people in which we don't fund, uh, you know, our give back to the industry is what we want to be a resource. You know, if you use Live Oak, great. Uh, if you don't, you know, we'll certainly think we can give you some some uh, usable information to make a better decision. Uh, obviously, I say that we'd love to do any type of financing you need. But understand, you know, everyone's got their own situation. They need what to do, but um, educate yourself and include people like Chris on that team. You know, a trusted advisor um, is always going to make a big difference. And anything we can do on our end, uh, we're always happy to help. I love the commitment to the to the you know independent industry, independent agent industry, and the and the and the local ownership. Um, something that in this day and age where it seems like everybody's trying to roll everything up into these big behemoths, being able to uh, remain independent and have the resources and the, and the technical and the access to technical expertise is huge. So thank you so much. If people want to get a hold of you to, to have a conversation and explore some of those options, Michael, how can they go about doing that? I would highly recommend just giving me a call. So my, my number is 614 Three six one nine four eight two. That's my cell phone. You can reach me twenty four seven, and uh, we have a team of folks. Uh, if it's not me, somebody will get back to you quickly. And once we do speak, I'll certainly send you all my contact information, email, etc. So probably best to reach me by telephone. Perfect. And Chris, thanks so much for uh, your insights. As always, they're appreciated. Thank you, Paul. And to everyone else, thanks for taking the time to listen, and we'll talk with you next time.